For those of you uh, who are married, do you remember the last or the, the first real big fight or argument that you had with your spouse? I remember ours. It was the night of our wedding of all times. Um, it was a, a busy day, uh, as all wedding days are. Uh, lots of family and friends uh, up in Minnesota where my wife was from. Um, just a fantastic day. Uh, but there was some stress added into it. Nancy wasn't feeling the greatest. She was on some antibiotics. Uh, just, just a lot of, she has a huge family of one of 10 kids, just a huge, enormous event, wonderful day, but kind of stressful as well. And at the end of the day, uh, we piled into our car and we, our plan was we were going to drive an hour and a half to the, the B and B that we were staying at that night. And the next morning, then we would take off and fly somewhere for our, for our honeymoon. Um, well, we're about an hour down the road and we decided to do a checklist and I should, I should say that, uh, one of my jobs for the honeymoon was to pack, pack the car, uh, the suitcases and bags were all laid out. My job was to pack the car. Uh, we each had some things to do. And so we're driving down the road about an hour from, um, from the wedding reception, getting close to the, the bread and breakfast, bed and breakfast. And we do a checklist, airline tickets, check. Nancy's suitcases, check. My suitcase, check. And you notice the difference, plural, singular. Um, and, and then Nancy asked, did you pack the burgundy bag? Now, there are two things you need to understand about the burgundy bag. The first is that she had asked me specifically, of all the bags, make sure do not forget the burgundy bag. The second thing is that the burgundy bag why it was so important to her is because it had all of her personal items, makeup, hair care products, blow dryer, toothbrush, things like that. I had forgotten the burgundy bag. That was not good. <laughs> now, um, in my defense, it was a busy day and I was new at this whole marriage thing. And um, so as a typical guy, I tried different tools in my, my conflict resolution bag. Uh, the first one was assurance. Don't worry. It's, 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 it's going to be fine. That didn't work. I tried the tool of perspective. It's really not that big a deal in the scheme of things, is it? That didn't work. I tried flattery. You know, you look great without all that stuff anyway. <laughs> that did not work. And finally, in my frustration, I tried sarcasm. That really did not work. <laughs> you know, conflict in marriage is inevitable, isn't it? Any sort of relationship you have with somebody, whether it's a friend, a coworker, a child, but especially marriage, the most intimate of relationships, conflict is inevitable, right? You take two people from different backgrounds, different personalities, perspectives, and, and, and responses to situations, you throw them together for better or for worse, we say, you're bound to have some, some fights, some conflicts. And as you can tell from my personal story, I'm, still le- I'm, I'm not very good at it. I'm still learning to be better at it and to, and to deal with it better over the years. Hopefully I've improved. Now, last week we kicked off a sermon series uh, on marriage. And for last week, this week, and next week, we're just taking a three-week look at, at marriage. And we began last week by, in Genesis chapter 2, the story of Adam and Eve. You know, we know the story. Uh, they're, they're brought together in the first marriage we see in Scripture. And, and, and then in the next chapter, 
in verse 3, we see their first fight, their first marital conflict. Remember the story? Uh, They're in the garden. The serpent tempts Eve to eat fruit. She does. She tempts Adam. She invites him to. He does too. And sin's brought into the world. and, And their first fight happens. God confronts them about it. And they point fingers at each other. Now, most people see conflict as as a bad thing. Most of us don't like conflict. We try to avoid it. We try to minimize it, get around it, whatever we can do to kind of be at peace and harmony. And in conflict, yes, can be a bad thing. It can lead to bad things. But conflict in and of itself usually doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be, in fact, a good thing. The key is in how we handle it and how we perceive it. When we have a fight with somebody, especially with our spouse, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to work through it, to grow in our understanding of the other person, to, to show greater empathy, to communicate on a deeper level, to show more respect. In a word, we have a chance to grow. And not only do we have an opportunity to grow in our, our marriage, we have an opportunity also to grow more like Jesus Christ, extend more love, offer more compassion, uh, offer more truth. Now, marital conflict can be a good thing or a bad thing. It can be like a leech or it can be like a ladder. It can be like a leech and it can suck the the life and the vitality out of your relationship if it's not dealt with properly, if it's not addressed. Or it can be like a ladder. It can be like the rungs on a ladder that, that take you to a higher place and deeper level of intimacy and understanding So if conflict is an opportunity for relational growth, how are we to handle ourselves when we do have those those fights? You're growing up like most kids. I always look forward to recess, mainly because you got out of the classroom for a while. You maybe got to go outside or maybe go to the gym and you played pickup basketball or dodgeball or or football or, or something like that. And, you know, the routine, you'd have a couple of guys who'd be the captains they picked teams and you'd play. And it was a blast. It was always fun, except when something happened. It was always fun until somebody would change the rules on you in the middle of the game, right? So before the game, you'd say, here's the boundaries. And you'd, you'd go for a touchdown and they'd say, no, 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 you're out of bounds. The boundaries are actually over there. Or they'd get one hand on you, but not two. And say, oh, no, we're playing two-hand tag today or whatever it might be. Nobody liked that. You, you, uh, you hate when the rules are changed in the middle of a game. But in marriage, we do the same thing sometimes, don't we? We get into an argument, we get into a fight, and we just make up the rules as we go along, or we change them. And conflict is not designed to be dealt with that way. It's not designed to be settled on the fly, changing on, 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 on different whims. It can't be handled on a cell phone or through a text or should not be handled in front of the kids at the dinner table. We've got to set up fair rules of engagement, right? It's not a matter of if we're going to fight, it's are we going to fight fair? And how do we do that? Well, there's a lot to be said about this topic, and I'm certainly not an expert, but we're going to pull three things out of this passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4. It's a short passage, and so I'm just going going to read it again one more time, and then we're going to jump into it. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. (coughs) In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful of their own hands, that they have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So out of this this passage, we're going to draw three things about how to handle conflict and to fight fair and to fight God's way. We are to resolve conflict truthfully, lovingly, and compassionately. TLC, truthfully, lovingly, and compassionately. Now, the Bible tells us that God is totally 100% honest. Jesus himself said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so all truth is God's truth. And when in an argument we speak truthfully, God will honor that. God shows up because he is truth. He anoints, he blesses, and where needed, he will convict. On the other hand, whenever in an argument or disagreement, we speak in a way that's slanderous or accusatory, and we twist or manipulate things to hurt the other person or put them in a bad light, guess who shows up? So we have a choice. We either can defer to the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to work in us and through us to bring peace and harmony and understanding and reconciliation. Or we can defer by default to the evil one and allow him to mess up the deal and bring in resentment and bitterness and stubbornness and division. And so when I talk about communicating truthfully, what does that look like? What does it mean? Well, first, it means we do not twist words around to our advantage. Like an author who was writing a wealthy woman's genealogy, she had hired him because her family name was so important to her and, and, and she wanted it to be a good record of her family, his importance and respectability. And yet he found in his research that one of her great-grandfathers was a criminal who had been executed in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. She did not want it in there, obviously, and so he applied a little bit of um, creative communication and wrote instead, one of her grandfathers occupied the chair of applied electricity in one of America's best-known institutions. We can twist words around to mean practically anything that we want. We are to be honest and we are to communicate truthfully. It also means that when we're in the middle of an argument and we're wrong, that we're to admit it. That's hard to do. We're all proud people. Uh, Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and you realize about halfway through that they're actually right? What do you do then? I I mean, I I admit that I've been in that situation. It's hard to admit you're wrong. Ogden Nash, the author, says about marriage, to keep your marriage brimming in the loving cup when you're wrong, admit it. And when you're right, shut up. That's pretty good, pretty good advice. Communicating truthfully and honestly also means that you say what you mean. We've all been in conversations with somebody when they say, you know what I'm talking about. And you're thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. Be honest. Communicate truthfully. It also means we don't make blanket statements that aren't true. You've probably heard us say we're never to say never or always in the middle of a conflict. We think that strengthens our argument, but all it does is anger the other person and weakens it. 
It's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It's not honest, not truthful. The next point we're going to draw out, this comes from a verse we did not read, verse 15 in chapter 4. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. We are to not only communicate truthfully, but lovingly. Again, we've all had the experience, and maybe it's been us, or maybe we've been on the receiving end, of somebody who speaks truth. It's true, but it's hurtful, and it's harsh, and it's judgmental, and it's used as a battering ram to, to break the other person down, to put them in their place, to, to prove moral superiority. On the other hand, love without truth is not real love and leaves your relationship at a, a shallow level, and you miss out on the opportunity to to have the deep, intimate relationship that God intends. You know, the Proverbs are full of these wonderfully pithy, profound statements. In verse 15, or excuse me, Proverbs 15, 1, I think fits here. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that right? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So in other words, when things begin to heat up, instead of feeding the fire with harsh words, even if they're true, try dousing it with truth and love blended together. Again, how does that work in a practical way? Well, if I'm going to be loving and truthful, one of the ground rules has to be that I attack the problem and not the person. You know, sometimes when we're losing an argument, we bring out the big artillery, you know, uh, the old things, you remember the time you did this or you, you did this or your family never or, or whatever it might be. We, we are to attack the problem and not the person. Lucy in the penis cartoon says when she was talking about this, she says, if I can't be right, I'm going to be wrong at the top of my lungs. Sometimes we do that. There's an old proverb that says when you throw mud, you lose ground. Which I think is true. You, we use unfair t- tactics We attack the person, we may win the battle, but we end up losing the war because the relationship has been damaged. So we're to communicate truthfully, we're to communicate lovingly, and third, we are to communicate compassionately. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. It means to have the idea of empathy, to have feelings for the other person, with the other person, to put yourself in their shoes to try to understand their feelings, not just try to win the argument. And then the the rest of verse 32 says, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, it's often been said to people that the three most important words in a marriage are I love you. And I would say those are critical words. They should be used often in relationship. But there are other three word phrases that are just as critical because they show that you do love. Phrases like, I am sorry, or or, I was wrong, or I I forgive you. Forgive each other, Paul says, just as in Christ God forgave you. You Marriage the way God intended it is virtually impossible without giving and receiving Accepting forgiveness. Without forgiveness, where love should grow, bitterness will sprout. Without forgiveness, where appreciation should thrive, resentment takes root. 
When we don't fight fair and words are said and things are done that hurt deeply, we must find it in ourselves with God's help to apologize and or forgive. Now, obviously, the best way to handle fights in marriage is to not say anything in the first place that warrants forgiveness. That's, we're not going to ever be able to meet that standard perfectly, but we are to strive for it. Paul says in verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So when I find myself in a disagreement with my spouse or anybody for that matter, I should ask myself, am I being constructive? Am I being helpful? Am I communicating truthfully and lovingly and compassionately? Do my words build them up and help the situation? Or are my words tearing them down and making matters worse? Now, I don't know if when you walked in, you noticed that there were some cinnamon rolls being sold this morning for chick. And I, I think they're actually ran out. So, but I, I did some research and I learned that I can eat one of those things in about 20 seconds. <laughs> but it takes 20 minutes or so of exercise to work it off, right? Think about marriage. It can take just a few seconds, 20 seconds, three seconds, one second a word, a look, or an action that can, that can inflict damage in a relationship that can take days, months, years sometimes to work off, to get back in the right place, to repair the damage. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. On June 1st, 2005, Percy Aerosmith, who was 105 years old, and his wife Florence, who was 100, celebrated their 80th wedding anniversary, which at the time uh, was the Guinness World Record holder. It's been since surpassed by a couple in North Carolina. But according to the Aerosmiths, the key was they would never go to sleep on their arguments. They said they always kissed each other goodnight, always held hands, and always prayed before going to bed. They said the key was to keep short accounts with your spouse to work through it, to get right with each other, to nip things in the bud before they grew into something much bigger and harder. Conflict is inevitable in all relationships. The key to thriving, healthy, mutually satisfying, rewarding relationships is to do it God's way to follow his rules, to fight fair, to practice TLC, to communicate truthfully, lovingly, and compassionately. I want to close with a, a metaphor that, uh, that I think was, is helpful for me anyway. Leonardo da Vinci, the great inventor, painter, artist, uh, scientist, um, he has this definition of an arch. He says it's two weaknesses that by leaning on each other create a strength. And I think that's a, a good picture of marriage. You have two people with weaknesses, insecurities, fears, pride, struggles, habits, patterns, hurts, pains. And because of that, there's going to be conflicts. And when conflict comes, instead of having two pillars that are weak and, and, and hurt and imperfect, God's design for marriage is that we lean into each other. 
that we create an arch of mutual support and love and truth and compassion. And with his help, the two weaknesses become a strength and a oneness that brings love and benefit to them, to their family, to their friends, but also brings ultimately glory to God. That's my prayer and hope for my marriage. That's my prayer and hope for, for yours as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And um, God, we thank you that you've created us to be in relationships with each other and relationship with you. Lord, I pray for each person here today, whether they're married or not, that uh, these are relationship principles that we can apply to any relationship with friends, with family, co-workers, with spouses. And so, Father, I pray that in our communication and our we would be truthful, we would be loving, um, we would be compassionate. I pray for your blessing upon um, uh, the marriages in our church and our community, uh, that you would bring um, peace and harmony and oneness, um, that they would be sources of great joy. Um, uh, I pray, Father, that uh, you would just protect Um, the marriages in our community as well, Father, um, that you would sustain them and that through your Holy Spirit and through your word, through prayer, Father, um, that you would be honored and that people would find healing and hope. We thank you, Father, for your truth. We thank you for your love. And we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.